Welcome to a Drop Tent Media Production. The Porcupine with Adam Nutter. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Porcupine. I am Adam Nutter. How are you guys doing? We are live on a Thursday. Uh, and you guys are also with me, so you guys have nothing else going on, too. Hey, all right. Good. Uh, quick stuff, as always. Uh, go check out my other podcast, The Cult of Us. Uh, I do it with The Great Neil Wood. Just comedy, no politics. Uh, YouTube.com slash Cult of Us. Audio available everywhere. Go check us out. Uh, we're also doing a bunch of shows, uh, comedy on the road together. So uh, droptent.com slash events for all those tickets. Uh, we're live. So, oh, next week, the 24th, 25th, I'll be with uh, Robbie the Fire Bernstein in Steamboat Springs, Colorado coming out to that that's going to be a banger of a time uh april 7th i'm doing the delaware lp convention in delaware uh i think the 8th i'm think i'm doing the maryland lp convention not sure about that one yet it's up in the air uh may 13th georgia lp convention and then other shows in between uh may 13 uh third uh punchline philly i have a bunch of other stuff in between too so coming out to those uh follow me at adam nutter on twitter you guys know all that shit all right Cool. Uh, guys, we're going to do a good episode. We're talking about public schools and um, why they're trash and why they're why how our children being indoctrinated and, and all that. Uh, I'm close to this a little bit, so I'm very also fascinated with this topic. I've been for a while now, and uh, I want to bring in my guest. You guys know from the Illegitimate Scholar podcast. Give it up for Samuel Urban. What's up, man? Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, Adam. I appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, we were talking, obviously, off air a little bit mm-hmm. uh, about both of our fascination with the school system and why it's trash and how important it is for it to be not trash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, now I want to be like, I want to make it clear. We're not going to talk about the Prussian model, which was like the first, I guess, version one of like schooling in this country. And for anybody out there who doesn't know r- the real quick bare bones of, of what the Prussian model was, and I'm sure I'm going to fuck this up. Anybody out there is going to yell at me, but like, again, the bare bones of it is like, it was very much to be like an authoritative, like don't question, um, uh, authority. So you have like one person in front of the room, everybody, you know, looking at this person and it's like, don't question the person in the front. That person tells you what to do. You just say yes, no. And then like, again, pledge allegiance to the flag because we want to fight wars later for us. So <laughs> don't question the allegiance to the country that you're, you know, uh, uh, that you're just uh, 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 loyal yourself to. Uh, so that was that, that was set up to, again, to set up for future soldiers, uh, workers in a shitty cubicle or whatever like anything to just not question what's going on around you that was the early 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 system and now you are here to tell us about part two of that i guess <laughs> yeah yeah so um so that system like that starts in like the uh like well it starts earlier in prussia in like the yes. 18th century and prussia becomes germany for anybody right. who doesn't know it like uh they unify with other states of the holy roman empire um and but what what happens in America is Connecticut and Massachusetts and new England had actually had a public school before then new England had a public school as early as the 1630s. But as far as widespread in the country, Massachusetts and Connecticut lead that with the Prussian model in the 1830s. And the Prussian model is the first one that actually is like United States wide. Right. Up until then it's like new England is doing new England's thing. And the other places there's a little bit outside of new England, but the, there's another change that happens in the uh, starting around the 1890s, 1900s, and this this era, depending on how you like how you break it up exactly, people call it the Gilded Age or the uh, 
are the progressive era. And this was a time of like the tail end of industrialization when that was becoming like a huge thing. And that required a, uh, a new system of education. And so that's what I'm going to be talking about today is what happened at that time and who funded it. What okay. it was meant to do. So when did this, I guess, start? Like what, what was like the year, like around time wise, like so, what, what um, were we doing at the time? Rockefeller, uh, the, the, the two main organizations that I'm talking about, the ones that probably had the two biggest influences, uh, Rockefeller's, uh, Rockefeller senior, John D. Rockefeller senior, his, or, his organization, the general education board was founded in 1902 and, uh, the Carnegie foundation, which did something similar was founded in 1905. And they immediately in today's dollars start throwing billions of dollars into funding this. Um, so yeah, 1902, 1905. And then it happens very, very quickly after that. Like it changes extensively over the next about 15, 20 years. And then from there, there's other changes that occur over time that I can also discuss. Okay. So they dump millions into this out of nowhere, essentially. The Rockefellers already made their money and they're like, no, we care about now schooling. Yeah. So, weird, you know, right? yeah, <laughs> like it's weird. With everything going on now. He's like, I care about saving things. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> it's funny because I have a citation today to talk about Bill Gates and the Gates Foundation. It's great that you bring him up. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course, like these are non tax exempt, not for profit organizations. And like if you're anybody like I'm sure anybody that's listening to this. But if if you're not, if you don't know tax exempt organizations that rich people have their often used for purposes other than what they're actually saying they're for, you know, it, it's a, like right. the NFL is a tax exempt organization. Okay. Right. It's a, it's a tax status. These guys like Bill Gates is not doing it out of the kindness of his heart and neither was Carnegie and neither was Rockefeller. Right. Um, but it was under the guise of providing education. But what really happens is they, um, they create this system uh, in order to create workers for their own factories. And they actually say this in their own words. And if, if you want, I can uh, read some quick yeah, quotes please. about this. Um, yeah, so uh, literally Rockefeller, a quote from Rockefeller, he said, I don't want a nation of thinkers. I want a nation of workers. Right. And this is the guy who's throwing, in today's dollars, billions of dollars into changing the, uh, the education system and providing education for uh, the rural folk and all these things. So I have a longer quote here that really sets the stage um, that is from a uh, one of the, like, the founding documents of um, this thing called the General Education Board I mentioned earlier that Rockefeller had created. And Rockefeller had this really close business advisor, the guy who ran a lot of his companies. He ran this organization for him. His name was Red Reverend Frederick T. Gates. And uh, this this was written down in one of the documents about what they were creating, what they were funding. And I'm going to talk a little bit about how their funding worked in a minute. But the quote here is, in our dream, we have limitless resources and the people yield themselves with perfect docility to our molding hand. The present educational conventions fade from our minds and unhampered by tradition, we work our own goodwill upon a grateful and responsive rural folk. We shall not try to make these people or any of their children into philosophers or men of learning or of science. We are not to raise up among them authors, orators, poets, or men of letters. We shall not search for embryo great artists, painters, musicians, nor will we cherish even the humbler ambition to raise up from among them lawyers, doctors, preachers, statesmen, of whom we now have ample supply. And if I didn't have like a real copy of that, I thought it was made up. It sounds like an evil quote someone says in like a fantasy novel. 
Yeah, and, and and you're like, that's an evil king, or like, like it doesn't sound like it. it, it, it so no one was like, hey man, what? <laughs> like around? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I swear to God, it's insane to me that like it's it it felt fake. I had to verify that it was real, but I found it, and yeah, I had to do some digging for it because it's not like you Google these things, the Wikipedia page, and like the first articles, they're not like they spin it right, and they don't give you this quote. Mm-hmm. I, I like found my first big break with this with like some poorly formatted blog written by an Indian guy. It wasn't even American. Mm, okay. Um, and then I, I was able to find them from there, but yeah, man, it's, it's, uh, it's like some Klaus Schwab shit. Like it's, it's yeah. ridiculous. It, yeah. Essentially he's like, we don't want any free thinkers out there. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want like, anybody doing some stuff. That's not yield themselves yeah. with perfect docility to our molding hand. Right, it, like it's crazy. It's, it could be from Machiavelli. It's, it's freaking. And this is why it's annoying when, like, you talk to like any anybody. I, you know, it's I, I, I don't know what word to use. I like to say normies, which is lame, but like that's the word I'm going to use for now. But like, you talk to the normal person out there, and you're like, "Hey, man, like everybody is out to hate you and kill you." And they're like, "We talking about it? Like, read an article. Like, read that quote." Yeah. And you're like, I don't know that. And they're like, oh, that's yeah. from like that's from 50 years or whatever they'll say. Like, like that was old. Like people think like just because it happened 100 years ago, like government or whatever stopped being evil. Yeah, like, we we know we did some evil shit back then, but like they changed, man. It's like yeah, okay. <laughs> totally. So yeah, of course not, of course not. <laughs> but the thing is, with something like this, it's like it's the same organization still. Right. So the General Education Board, who, which is the one that this guy was talking about, it's gone. It used its funding to fund other organizations. But the other one, the Carnegie Foundation, which was done with like a similar idea in mind, they are still funding textbooks and stuff. They're they, still around. Do they fund the DOE? Because DOE is obviously government, right? Department of Education. So do they have – so is a private entity essentially funding the DOE also? Or are they just funding books and stuff like that to not – I w- I wouldn't know what – one way or the other i wouldn't okay. be surprised um because the the education department is like lobbied you know just like any other organization and i i have a few things to say about like specifics of the uh of private corporations being involved in education in this country but i don't i i couldn't speak on that right now because that sounds like anytime you have a billionaire you know working with government about something like hey i'm gonna give you money to do yeah. something and you're like okay but why <laughs> right. why are you doing that like obviously what's your goal here dude it's not because you're just good it's never the answer so it's like what is it it's always yeah. for something of course it's it's always for something and um like uh what did i get here um oh yeah carnegie still makes textbooks so they i don't know about them lobbying like the department of uh education federally but uh one of these organizations uh is in charge of teacher certification in new york Others of them have, um, they have like representatives working to do like anti-union stuff in some of these at-will states. And like they're, these organizations are deep into education in like every layer of the, of the country. Um, is this just public school? Um, I only did the research on the public schools. Hmm. I, I, so teacher certification only applies to public schools. So that wouldn't apply to private schools, but. But these these organizations are like they fund textbooks and then the textbook companies are lobbying, you know, other other okay. entities like teacher certification and everything. So, like, I mean, the, the money is in the textbooks unless the private school is using like 
some sort of right. It's textbook. kind of yeah. like a pyramid scheme of textbooks to like education, or, or it's like it's like every there's like a group for everything in education, and it has to funnel through that one group to to like accomplish the next thing. It's like, all right, we have to get certified. Okay, well now we have to go through these textbooks. Okay, now we have to go through like this type of history lesson or whatever. It's like everything is like sanctioned, like cut off into like specific groups. Yeah, yeah, and the the. <laughs> Um, there's at every single layer of like, of the education system, there's like, there's people who are in control of the information that's, that's being spread out. Um, like th there's organizations like the educational development center. It's a nonprofit that designs curriculum. That's what they say, but they're a nonprofit and they're funded by companies like Cisco, IBM, uh, Pearson textbooks. So these company, like these lobbying companies, and I'm sure that actually Frankly, I'm sure that the Educational Development Center is lobbying the federal government. Um, they're one of the larger ones, and they're funded by the Gates Foundation, Cisco, IBM, Pearson Textbooks, and they, in turn, create uh, legislation at the national level, things like Common Core, and then they lobby at the state level so that they can uh, influence uh, requirements at the state level. And then in even local schools, you know, th things are pushed in a certain way. Uh, teachers are given what textbooks to teach with. And uh, so there's there's layers of control at every single level. And once you get down to the, to the teacher, they have very little control really about what they're actually teaching. Even if they were going to teach it, even if they were going to teach something that you know would be outside of the mainstream. But the fact is even teachers themselves, teaching colleges are like completely um, just a wash and like corrupts money. Like there's like the, uh, the Dean of the education college at Columbia owns like hundreds of thousands of shares of stock in Pearson. There's conflicts of interest up and down the wall. It's, it's crazy. So essentially they're just, you're just beholden to textbooks, like the curriculum, essentially, whatever the school curriculum, whatever the board decides, that's what you have to do. So even like you're saying, so even if you're like a good hardened teacher out there is like, well, this is bullshit. Like, it's like, I can't not, teach it because i don't have another source to go off of and they obviously won't allow that uh, yeah so like there's you have some leeway it kind of depends what the class is but like I'll, I'll give you an example i taught when i was student teaching i taught a government class um but the topics that i had to teach were were given to me what i could teach the students so i, I was teaching a very textbook definition of um a, a textbook framework of li literally from a textbook that was given to me i think it was pearson or uh, mcgill which is one of the other big ones. Um, and, I, you know, I'm teaching them like, you know, what gerrymandering is and what the Congress is and the different branches of government. And I was not allowed. I didn't have enough time to do a uh, class on campaign financing. So as far as I'm concerned, I gave them like a complete like theory based government class because I didn't really teach them anything about how the government actually works. Like they understand about how a bill goes from committee to another committee, it goes from the Senate to the House, and then it goes to the president, but they don't understand how, you know, Mossad agents or the CIA <laughs> or somebody is like blackmailing people and how and they didn't, I taught a government class for like two semesters, and they didn't hear the word lobbyist once, right? I didn't have any space to put it in. It's stuff like that. It's not always that restrictive. But um, with a lot of classes, it is. And yeah, there's there's other things as well that I, um, yeah, that I could say. I'm, Sure. yeah no whatever whatever you think you want to go off of this is all very interesting so go <laughs> yeah. yeah okay Dude, sweet yeah, so sure. um yeah sorry i just don't want to no 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 don't no, worry I'll, no, I'll, I'll interrupt during when i have dumb questions or anybody okay. ask a good question in the in the chat
Sweet. Okay. Sounds good. Um, yeah. So like, you know, these text like textbooks, you know about how like Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post, right? Right. Like Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post. Um, Elon Musk bought Twitter because it's to, it's all to control information. Like the, the Gates Foundation, they own these different things. Yeah, um, even with Elon Musk thing, not for nothing, it's like, you know, people were like, yeah, Elon's like, it's like, yeah, yeah, hold on, chill. It's like, I don't trust this billionaire. Like, like, do I think he's better than who was running Twitter? Like, yeah, I have my Twitter account back, obviously, because of that. Yeah. But like, but like, do I trust Elon Musk? Like, no, 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 <laughs> like, that's fucking crazy. Like, I, like, he had to do it for maybe, maybe his reason truly was as a fuck you. And like, I want to run this. Do I think that was the only reason? There's no way. This is no way, right? No, of you're, not, you're not gonna spend forty-five billion dollars as a fuck you unless you are that crazy. But you're, I don't think he is because he's a smart dude. So yeah. it's like, what's the real motive here? It's right. like you said, it's always to control the fucking narrative. Yeah, it's it's um, you know, he was getting trounced in the media, and right. so he bought this. I trust Elon Musk to act in his own self-interest. Yes, and exactly. So that that's it. Like Elon Musk will act in his own self-interest, and so I understand that for that for him right now he has to appear like it's he's the bastion of free speech. And, you know, maybe he truly believes that, but I don't think for a second that if it would cost him, you know, $100 million of his $250 billion fortune, if he wouldn't immediately smack down free speech. He doesn't He doesn't care. Of course. You know, it's, <laughs> of yeah, course. he will act in his own self-interest. And yeah, I, yeah. that's what I trust. Um, But yeah, dude, textbooks are the same thing. You know, they're funded by people for the same reason. It's it's a control of information, and the people with capital will purchase, um, will purchase things to control the flow of information. Um, okay, yeah. So another thing. Okay, talk about the mainstream media. So things like, uh, like I was in school to be a social studies teacher. Okay, I mean, I am a certified social studies teacher, um, but I bailed on my master's and, um. So like they, what they teach you in, in any class, but like they teach you what is known as what, what is acceptable information. So when you go through high school, I'm sure when you were there, you learned about, you know, what's a first person source, second, secondary source, right. what's a reputable website. They're going to be like, no, Infowars is bad, which, you know, whatever. I'm not saying it's good, but like they'll say Infowars is bad, but you can trust CNN. But like, you know, that type of that type of, um, you know, they're, they get to decide what information is trusted. And for, for them, what information is trusted, what information ends up becoming, um, what is allowed to be used, uh, by these people is what is created by, uh, public institutions. And, you know, some of these public institutions are like the mainstream media and some of them like specifics, like I always go back to WMDs, you know, the more recent one is the stuff with Bashar al-Assad and the alleged, his alleged gas attacks. I don't know, but it seemed like the evidence they were using was a, a stinky can, you know, yeah. I, I don't know if you remember that. Yes. But the WMD example, everyone knows that, like everyone remembers that the government lied to us about WMDs. Um, you know, 15 years ago, George W. Bush was like the next Hitler. And now he's at baseball games with Michelle Obama looking cute and some. It's dumb so poncho. funny. It, like, yeah, now all the, yeah. every liberal is like, dude, Bush is like a hero. <laughs> You're Jeez, like, okay. man. It's ridiculous. But like, you know, the media assisted them in that. The, the media was completely complicit in this. Like MSNBC fired somebody for not being pro-war. The New York Times helped this. Um, no, a hundred percent. If I want to read something that you just said about, um, 
how they, you know, people, all these uh, elitists or whatever, they they all think that we're dumb and that we can't figure out anything on our own is what you were just pretty much just saying. And yeah. um, Sam Harris just had a quote. I don't know if I, I don't know if this is recently, but it's from his Instagram, I believe. And it's he says, uh, during the pandemic, we witnessed the birth of a new religion of contrarianism and conspiracy thinking. The first sacrament of which is to do your own research. The problem is that very few people are qualified to do this research. And the result is a society driven by strongly held, unfounded opinions on everything from vaccine safety to the war in Ukraine. Sam Harris, go fuck yourself. Like, like he's such a piece of shit. He's a, it's essentially being like, you're too <laughs> dumb to do your own research. We're experts. Trust us. It's like, oh, I can't read a book. You are the expert of reading. But it's like, it, it's, yeah. uh, and again, like we said before about how the quotes are right there in the open for you. There's another yeah. one. He's essentially, again, he's going, trust me, you're clearly too stupid yeah. to have eyes and ears and a brain and, and common sense to come about your own conclusion. You must trust me. And who mm -hmm. the fuck are you? Yeah. it's wild dude it's fucking wild but i'm sorry continue no yeah yeah seriously 100 love it um yeah um okay let's backtrack let's go back to the 1910s again okay if you don't mind yeah no for sure oh uh, uh, yeah. real quick actually a question from uh, uh jc uh, are there any good resources i could share with people who are looking to start uh local homeschooling pods gosh i i i don't have anything for you i'm sorry um I don't know. I, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I just, I don't personally have any, any sources for that. No, that's fair. That's right. Yeah. Um, I totally encourage it though. You know, yeah. Well, that, yeah that's real quick. Yeah. Also, before we hit under the 1910, um, what, what your view on homeschooling? Mine is obviously it should be done hundred percent. Yeah. And if you can't, if you yeah. can't homeschool, like I understand everybody can't do that. Obviously the next best thing I would do is private school or a Catholic school or something like that, which I understand also people can't do that either. It's, it's money, but like, yeah, uh, public school is literally the last option you should be doing if you yeah. had to pick. No, there's, <laughs> it, there's nothing else that's more important than this. And it's like, it's, it's, it's crazy. And obviously I'm, I'm pro school choice as well, which yeah, what we've course. been seeing yeah. is, is a, you know, a shift and, uh, you know, on the school choice thing and on the homeschooling thing um, and having school choice in order to fund your own homeschooling, which of course comes with it, it like an economic price. I mean, a lot of people can't afford to homeschool because, you know, childcare, spending time away from right. work and everything school vouchers, like obviously the, the <laughs> there's this pervasive idea, especially in education that um, the money that you put towards taxes and your property taxes in most places in the country, it's, it's a significant amount is for the schools. Um, mm -hmm. It's like half in, in my town, in my hometown, it was half the town's budget was the schools. Dude, I um, live in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, which yeah. is um, the second best school district in the state of Pennsylvania, Council Rock School District. Yeah. Uh, and right above us in New Hope, literally 15 minutes above where I live is the first it's Solberry school district. So yeah. like my, literally the two town, my town, the town above me are the best in the, in, in the fucking state of Pennsylvania. So like every month, I feel like every year I get like a letter in the mail being like, your school taxes are going up. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? We have kids. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we have a kid here. Seriously. Seriously. I mean, you know, even if you don't have kids, you should be worried about the public school system because it's creating oh, no, no, sure. 100%, 100%. walking around you. Yeah. Of course. I'm, yeah, my yeah. Point is no, like, I, I know you know that. Paying the taxes. Else. It's like, it's like, well, I'm yeah. paying now. I don't even contribute to this. <laughs> I don't right. get a use out of this at all. <laughs> and you're also probably morally opposed to a lot of what they're doing there. Of you course. Know? It's like, yeah. uh, of course. It, it's, it's, it's a fucking nightmare, dude. Yeah. So, but they'll frame it in the way that like, oh, it's, it's public funds. You don't, you shouldn't get to have public funds. If you want to put your kid in a private school, like put them in a private school and pay for it yourself. But like, that's our money, dude. Like right. it's taxpayer money. 
Like, I say this so much, and I, I don't know another way to put it. This is the best way I was able to dumb it down to people who, who argued me. I go, hey, man, let me ask you a question. Does the government have a job? Does the government check in every day, 9 to 5, and a punch clock and go, all right, I'm in boss? I go, they don't. Their job is to take your money and then pay for shit. With your, it's just your money. So stop yeah. with the like, it's tax dollars from the government. Yeah. They don't have a job. No. <laughs> They're not producing no. an income. It's crazy. No, stop it's, saying it's, that. It's, it's it's absolutely insane but i mean that's what happens when like the the public school is obviously created by the government yeah yeah our social constructs you know if you break them down like it, it a institution like the government is um it it advocates for itself so of course it's going to fund its own um its own uh it's going to fund to perpetuate itself. Of course, yeah. it's going to try to protect its own its own money. I mean, it's that's what it is. Um, gosh, ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Um, All right, so nineteen ten, we're on it. Okay, yeah. We're, we're, so now we're we're in it. They're, so I got a, already funded now for what a few years already. So right, this is already they've been funding this for at least a few years since. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So they they've been being funded for a few years. So what I'm going to read now for even more um, for even more evidence that uh, that these organizations that put billions of dollars in, like I what I've said so far is that they've given in today's money billions of dollars over this time period in order to fund education. I now have quotes from uh, some other people from contemporary sources who were involved in education at the time about how the shift in education was affecting them. Um, OK, so this is 1909 just a few hours after this funding starts this is elwood p coverlay who was stanford's dean of education so this isn't some random dude in texas this is stanford's dean of education stanford is and has been since then not only a prestigious college but a prestigious education college right so um he says each year the child is coming to belong more to the state and less and less to the parent and that's in 1909. Wow, I mean, dude. He would be amazed today. They, they openly amazed. say it today like that. They, they say that today right. now on tweets. I see I see tweets from um, that, that dumb bitch yeah. from the teacher's union. Uh, Wine Garden, whatever her name is. I don't Which, know what her name is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, whatever her dumb, stupid fucking name is. But she, you know, she yeah. openly says she's like, you don't like determine what your children learn. We do. And you're like, no, bitch. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> yeah. You watch these like... Um, like teacher compilations of like you know i i've obviously they're like cherry picked for the worst ones but they're really representative about right um pervasive attitudes you know teachers calling their students their kids yeah and like i i know that that's just you know that's like just oh they're calling them their kids what's the big deal but like that attitude is real like the the, the right. language reflects how they really feel about it they think that they have a right to those kids and they think that they have a right to like do things like um we're coming back to the present now, but um, I and I personally experienced this in school. So I can say that this isn't something that's like totally crazy, but uh, teachers and school staff hiding the uh, or with um, with students that change their gender identity, which I'm not giving my opinion pro or con on that. They are hiding that gender identity from the parent and they believe that that's the right thing to do. Yeah. And um, I I experienced that personally when when I was there, I had a student who um, that was being hidden. And to be honest, like that is and 
the whole idea of someone being a groomer has become like a slur or whatever at this point. But that, according to literally Rain, which is the or the largest anti-sexual assault organization in the country, um, they're a nonprofit that is anti-sexual assault. That is literally textbook grooming, teaching or or keeping secrets with kids from adults. Of course, it is. Do yeah. Anytime, anytime, um, especially the left wants to s- turn a word that you're using against them into like a slur, it's because it's accurate and they don't like it. And they want to yeah. ban the word so you can't call them out for it. Just like the groomer is the perfect fucking example because these motherfuckers are grooming children. And then again, under old Twitter, you, you got banned for that. If you call someone a groomer, don't forget right. you got banned for it. And, and like it was clear as day. You had there's TikToks yeah. of teachers out there being like, you could tell them, don't even, we won't even tell your parents. Like you could just tell me about your, your, your sexual identity and, we, and we'll, we'll do it our own way. It's, and it's they're openly saying this again on social yeah. media. This isn't like a, a fucking a, a right wing dog whistle, as they like to fucking say. Like this is out there dude go just read through social media posts you'll see it yourself yeah. like there's no covering this up and then they frame it as being anti-lgbtq right ban you off twitter like you right. said like it's but it's that's not what it is and also the idea that lgbtq is synonymous with sexual groomers when you're like saying someone's a groomer you're equating that with uh people in the lgbtq community i mean that's homophobic or whatever that's anti-lgbtq to, yeah to to hold that in your mind that those are the same thing that it's insane um but you know it's the narrative that they push out and they of course. find a reason yeah of course like, like anything like any like yeah, any word they don't like <laughs> it, it gets turned like racist all that shit right it's like yeah. you're like what i said you yeah. suck <laughs> you're like yeah. you're racist you're like okay <laughs> yeah i um okay all right i got another quote same guy okay. um elwood p coverley stanford's dean of education and uh this this one Came a little bit later, 1916. 1909, he thinks each year the child is coming to belong more to the state and less to the parent. 1916, he says, our schools are, in a sense, factories in which the raw products, children, are to be shaped and fashioned into products to meet the various demands of life. It is the business of the school to build its pupils according to the specifications laid down. Every manufacturing establishment that turns out a standard product or series of products of any kind maintains a force of efficiency experts to study the methods of procedure and to determine and test the output of its works. Continuous measurement of production to see if it is according to specifications. This is the time when, you know, uh, SATs come about, standardized tests, IQ tests, the elimination of waste in manufacture. So this guy who has been he's in charge of education at Stanford teaching teachers this new model that's being created at this time by the uh, funded by the Rockefellers and the Carnegie's of the world. And also a little bit Ford. this guy is saying that it's based in a factory. And when you look at what they changed school into, which is regimented classes where you uh, you're, you're separated by bells and you go from classroom to classroom. It's very much, a psychological recreation of factory work of the early 20th century. And that was on purpose. It's, it's crazy. Tr- so I was just randomly, not randomly in a school. Wow, that came out bad. I was not randomly in a school. Yeah. I was just in a school <laughs> yesterday because I got asked to speak at this uh, at this, at this uh, teacher's class. Um, she has like a class, uh, which is kind of a cool, I, I'm, this is a public school. I'm surprised I actually have this class. Yeah. It's kind of like, a, it's, I think it's called like a live on your own or like, a, it's pretty much meant to be like, hey, Think of different career paths outside of like the basic shit. 
that is terrific honestly right and i was very surprised yeah. that uh and i think i think this teacher saw me at a comedy show and and she reached out to me and she was like hey do you want to come and you know talk to my class about like comedy or podcasting as a possible career and i was like you heard me do comedy right that's crazy and then i was yeah. like i say crazy shit and she's like yeah it's fine I'm like all right so I, showed up. <laughs> so I showed up and uh oh my but, like, god but like going to the school i haven't been in a fucking high school since i was in high school dude like you know yeah so I- i'm standing there and like it's very much like that like you see everybody getting like herded through hallways mm-hmm. it's very you have teachers also in the hallways like throughout the hallway being like all right, guys, let's get to your classroom. Like, like, no, you know, don't look at anything. Just go, like, shuffle, go, go, yeah. go. And then the bell thing is very much like as soon as they hear the bell, it's like a drone, dude. I was talking to a kid. He asked me a question. I was mid-sentence. The bell rang, and he just, like, like eyes rolled, like, white, just grabbed his bag. It was, like, out the door. I'm like, okay. Oh, my God. And it's not, it wasn't like he was being like rude. It was rats. just like, yeah, it was just very much like this is what I do. And I was like, dude, this is weird. I was noticing that very much, yeah. Yeah, dude, it's it's – crazy it's absolutely crazy um yeah it reminds me of the marine corps a little bit it's mm. um yeah it, it like yeah i didn't mention this yet i was in the marine corps and it like the regimentation it's like it's it, it's not a surprise to me that part like they probably had a lot of that like discipline already from the prussian model i'm sure that a little bit of that carried over but specific way with the bells and everything like they're they got them trained good Somebody comments that the bell is just NPC yeah, JC, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> you're you're right. 100% right. <laughs> it is. Uh, it's also interesting, too, because it, I know people are going to shit on me, but like uh, they also run like a preschool program, I think, in the early morning of the school. It's a high school, but like I, like, I think yeah. they run like for third or fourth grade or third or uh, three or four year olds. And in the hallway, they have like tape with like numbers in them. And I'm like, what are these for? And she was like, Oh, it's for the preschool. So like line up. And I'm like, everything from such a young age is this condition to just fall in line. And people are like, well, they're kids. How are they supposed to understand? I'm like, I don't know. Talk to them. <laughs> like, like people, yeah. we treat children. Like we were never children. Seriously. Like adults act like we were just adults. Like we just like, I'm an adult at 20. And then like, yeah. we were never, we never had a childhood experience. I'm like, do you remember being a kid? Do you remember how you hated being spoken to, like not a person? Do you remember, yeah. do you remember that? <laughs> do you remember yeah. hated just being told to do something and never being explained to do it? Yeah, that still applies to me now. So why the fuck would we do that to children? Like you, I understand kids are kids, and they're yeah, they are difficult to deal with because that's the point. They're children; they're figuring it out. But you got to be like, hey, why don't we line up at the first locker? Like, explain what that is. Try to like teach these kids. But it's not about teaching these kids; it's about getting them to just do what you want to do. It's so yeah. obvious, right? Seriously, I mean, it 100% is. And it doesn't, it's not like these things are connected to like student learning. No. But yeah, that that's a perfect segue to like something that I want to get out, which is that schools are a system. Like they, they have more things than just, they have a lot more things than just like actually educating kids to worry about. And those are the things that they really concentrate on. Like all this lining up and teaching them to be obedient. I mean, those things are implicitly in the system and it's, it's based on like, you know, the teachers are expected to act a certain way. The, uh, the administrators are expected to act a certain way. Everybody has someone else wanting them to do something. I remember when I was a student teacher, I wasn't allowed to let the students call me by my first name. I would have preferred to do it. It's not like I asked like if they could call me by, by my first name, but like I kind of got in trouble by my like by my um placement teacher because i i wasn't firm enough with a kid who called me by my first name and i was like ah don't call me by my first name and he did it again i was like no really don't but like you know she 
was pissed with me because I didn't like snap at this kid. I'm like, I don't, it's not that big of a deal. Like they, right. they, they act like they need complete control at all the time. And that's like, that's, that's what that system teaches. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's, yeah, just JC makes a great point. He said we went from lining up in preschool to social distancing outside of stores waiting to get in during the lockdowns. It's all social engineering. And he's right. It's exactly what that is. It's like from kids. It's like, no, now you have to wait outside though. And you're like, okay, I'm just standing in line like a fucking cow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's and it's it's it goes back to that trust in institutions right. that you're you're conditioned to have. Like, yeah, trust the CDC, even though 50 years ago. They were like still doing uh, syphilis experiments, watching black people deteriorate because they weren't treating them with syphilis. Um, uh, that's the other thing. I know it's like read a me medical book from 70 years ago, 100 years ago. And it's like, oh, you got TB. I don't know. Have you tried spitting in his face? That's a cure. It's like it's like it's it just crazy things that today we're like, that's crazy. And then but again, they look at you in your eyes and go, you know, but we're positive. Everything we say now is for sure 100 percent proof forever. And you're like. But it wasn't 100 years ago, and they said the same thing. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it, it's an it's an incredible act of hubris. Yeah, and um, it, it's a it's a societal arrogance to think that at this point we've really figured everything out, where we don't need any sort of knowledge that we're completely correct right now. Everything's good, even though you know, 15 years ago we have completely different ideas about what is acceptable. Um, than what we do now. And I'm sure 15 years from now, it's going to be completely different again. Cause it doesn't seem like we're reaching any sort of stability with, <laughs> um, with our human environment or, um, you know, interactions between humans and, and the, the internet and technology. I mean, even the last few months with AI. Yeah. Um, and that changes the way that people interact with the world and it changes what people find acceptable, you know? Gosh. Okay. So this guy, Dean, oh, which also I want to bring up too. You you bring up this, the dean of Stanford saying crazy shit here, um, mm -hmm. and people always you know be like, well, I was just one guy. It's like yeah, but he had to get hired by somebody or people who knew what they were doing because they're also smart and they're obviously yeah. hiring this guy for a reason. And if they're hiring this guy for a reason for his beliefs, what do you think their beliefs are? Not that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it goes so deep. Right, right, and it's it's like you can follow the money in this case and in a lot of cases, like you follow the money and. At the time of the early 1900s, when uh, the General Education Board, excuse me, and the Carnegie Foundation, they start funding small universities. They start funding small universities and schools, and they start giving them the funding. But, of course, they only give you the funding if you play ball. So all of the schools and the universities that get the funding, and it's a lot of funding, because like I said, it's billions of dollars in today's money, they um, they they give them this money and then they only give it to them if they're willing to hire the right people and implement the right practices. And then it makes all the other places that don't have this funding from them. If, if there were any places that didn't uh, take the money and then change, then they were left behind because they had so much less funding and they're providing like a worse product because, you know, it's not like teaching regular people to work in these factories where they had these jobs at the time was probably the best thing for them to do but like that doesn't mean that it wasn't done in order to you know keep them down and, and keep them docile and it wasn't like there wasn't a lot of uh anti-union activity in this in order to increase their bargaining power um against unions it, they being people like carnegie ford and uh rockefeller okay so what happens after 1910 then 
like what's the next step after like all this money is getting pumped into all these institutions and and lobbyists essentially <laughs> what's what's yeah step, what's step two of this so let me give you um the, well i segue into that i got two quotes from this same time period yeah, okay uh william tory harris u.s commissioner of education because like you said that's just one guy that's just the dean of education at stanford that is the head of education at one of the most prestigious education colleges in the United States. That was his opinion. That's what we heard. Okay, we're also going to hear from William Tory Harris, who was the head guy in charge of education between 1889 and 1906, which was right before and then during these changes are occurring. And he says, our schools have been scientifically designed to prevent overeducation from happening. The average American should be content with their humble, humble role in life because they're not tempted to think about any other role. And then we have 1914, the National Education Association, which still exists today. It's the largest labor union in the country. Even at the time, it was a very large labor union. And it is, uh, it's a teacher's union. And at, even back then, it was a teacher's union. And they said that they were alarmed by the activity of Carnegie and Rockefeller. Um, they said this, we view with alarm in 1914, we view with alarm the activity of the Carnegie and Rockefeller Foundations. Agencies not in any way responsible to the people in their efforts to control the policies of our state educational institutions, to fashion after their conception, and to standardize our courses of study, and to surround the institutions with conditions which menace true academic freedom and defeat the primary purpose of democracy as heretofore preserved inviolate in our common schools, normal schools, and universities." And that's a reference to that old Prussian system. Uh, that's okay. the common schools. Right. Um, so that happens in 1914. So this, those are three very, very prominent people and organizations. And then in 1917, um, 1917, two major things happen. The NEA, the National Education Association, it's reorganized. And what happens when it's reorganized is um, all of the Carnegie and Rockefeller funded people take over the organization. And uh, that that's basically the death blow. Because at that point, even the people at the bottom level that are the people in charge of the largest union and the teachers themselves are all in with this new system because they've been funded and taught because they weren't just funding the uh, they weren't just funding the elementary schools and the middle schools in the new high schools because high schools weren't a thing until this time. And they were funding the high schools and making it universal. 10% of Americans 14 to 17 went to uh, high school in 1890. By 1940 through this time, it was going steadily up. It was 70%. Oh, wow. 19, yeah. That's pretty good. So that happens here. So 1917, they reorganized the NEA. It gets oh, taken why, over. Why did they the do people. that? So why did they reorganize it? What was the reasoning? What, what was the reasoning they say? What was the real reasoning? <laughs> so I, I couldn't find a stated reason. But okay. of course, the way that they reorganized the, the voting, what ends up happening is because Carnegie and Rockefeller have been funding the teaching colleges, the professionals involved in this field who then get voting power in order to uh, change it to, to their curriculum, they get rid of this system entirely. So it's gone. Um, the common schools, normal schools, they're gone Okay. Uh, in 1917. Another thing in 1917, um, they had been working on the government. They had been lobbying the government. They got uh, high, they they got federal funds, federal taxpayer money, to fund vocational training, um, in in high schools. And what that did is, uh, prior to this, vocational training was provided by large trade unions and labor unions, 
Um, and that was their major source of power. So this is the old apprenticeship program, which you can still get apprenticeships today in a few different fields, but it used to be very pervasive. Um, they got federal taxpayer funding to fund vocational training in high schools. They didn't even have to pay for it out of the billions of dollars that they had. And they basically, that's like the largest amount of power they could have taken from the unions. And they, they trashed the trade unions with that. And they didn't even have to pay for it. So they wow. got the government to kill their largest enemy. Um, so the next few decades are them picking up the pieces and reorganize, reorganizing and, um, and, uh, and becoming um, like, th there are a bunch of different organizations that then start to mold together. Example of that, 1948 Educational Testing Service, ETS, is formed. Um, it merges a bunch of different organizations, um, which themselves were funded by these nonprofit Rockefeller Carnegie's. And they um, and also just extra funding from the General Education Board and Carnegie. And these uh, testing services continue with the, uh, the this is like where the SAT came from. Prior to this, this is where the first IQ tests come from, and including like the the racist dude who said that um, who took he he created an IQ test that was in English and used it to like um, and used it to say that like immigrants were undesirables and they were dumb and trying to apply eugenics to them. That was a little bit before 1948. Of course, that goes out of style because Hitler. But um, yeah, that happens in 1948, and then. I have one more thing unless you have anything. No, keep going. Yeah. 1953. That's the next big thing. Okay. Um, there is a report called the Dodd report in 1953 that looks into the influence of these, um, of these tax exempt organization. There's a lot of, there's a lot of screw arounds. There's a lot of screwy at this point. Um, and they direct. So the Dodd report finds that these organizations, they, they specifically mentioned the Carnegie and the Carnegie Foundation and the General Education Board. And these are our four excerpts from that about what they found that these organizations had the effect of doing. And that is directing education in the United States toward an international viewpoint and discrediting the traditions to which it formerly had been dedicated, decreasing the dependency of education upon the resources of the local community and freeing it from many of the natural safeguards inherent in this American tradition, changing both school and college curricula to the point where they sometimes denied the principles underlying the American way of life, and financing experiments designed to determine the most effective means by which education could be pressed into service of a political nature. Oh, you're muted, Adam. Sorry, my wife was making noise. She was, I didn't want to interrupt you. She was making noise <laughs> in the background. Okay. Uh, every quote from the last like 50 years, it's the same, just, just twinged a little bit, like tweaked yeah. a little bit, <laughs> just a, a slightly, like the modern time of the era, like whatever time it is. But it's, it's the same shit. Everything is like, we don't want work. We don't want smart people. We just want workers. Like like J JC made a good, another good uh, point where he's like, they just want us smart enough to be able to handle shit but not too smart to be able to look into shit because, <laughs> you know, a, a too dumb society is also bad. It, it goes both ways, yeah. I guess, for them, right? Because they can't have you too dumb because you're like, oh, I don't know what everything is. Yeah. And, you, and they're like, well, this isn't going to help. They want it. They, they want you smart enough in order that you can um, 
that you can uh, that you can work for them, but not smart enough that you know you don't want to work for them. Yeah, for sure, one hundred percent. So, <laughs> I'm assuming the money didn't stop flowing in the fifties. No, no, right. So it just not. keeps. No, is it, it still going, going on? Is are they are the Carnegie and Rockefeller still today deep in money with with all this shit, or or so, are they kind of like phased out and now it's somebody else? I so the Carnegie Foundation itself is like the Carnegie Foundation is an organization that still exists and is still funding education. Um, they're 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 still funding things. I don't know about the Carnegies or the Rockefellers today themselves. I do know that the Carnegie Foundation, as an organization that is created and has a charter for what it's supposed to do, you know, those things. Corporations are people. They take on a mind of their own. They're they're run based on the way that uh, based on the the bylaws that were written down at the time when it existed. They have a huge endowment. They have ways to get more money and more funding, and so it continues to exist and continues to you know still shift education in favor of uh, the ruling class. But uh, yeah, okay. As far as the people, I don't know. Interesting. Okay. So was there? A- what was like the so what was the big turn from then to like now where it's clearly also very much like we want your kids because I don't remember this being a thing in the nineties and two thousands right when I was growing up so yeah. it's it sounds like back then it was kind of like that and then it wasn't openly I mean it was always clearly like that right I mean that's obvious but I'm talking about openly as opposed to again I feel like in the nineties two thousands I mean I could ask my parents I mm. guess. If, if if they notice anything freaky but i guarantee they'd be like no it was pretty normal and i did go to catholic high school but i went to public um elementary and intermediate school so i yeah. did get both of both world uh i did see both worlds and high yeah. uh, catholic school was better for sure yeah 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 i bet it was i don't know i i went to public schools i did two years at a private school i lived in indonesia when i was younger but that was like based on the u.s and the british curriculum um it's right pretty much the same um yeah, so uh, I, I think that what's happened the last like 10, 10 years, even like 10, 20 years, I would say that has less to do with, um, I, I okay, so the last 10 to 20 years, the changes that have happened in the last 10 to 20 years, those have a lot to do with, um, with uh, critical theory, not just critical race theory, but other uh, critical theory, which is really complex and confusing. And I, I honestly wouldn't know enough to like give a good synopsis of it. But a lot of this critical theory, I think, is behind the idea that um, it is behind the idea that the children of these, uh, the the students that are children of other people. So obviously a teacher's idea that they know what's best for the child, I think is rooted in the framework of uh, not just critical race theory, but critical theory. And if I'm, it's not a great synopsis of it, but essentially it's a, it's not just like a concept. Like it's, it's not the same thing as just like, you know, teaching about racism. Cause obviously you should teach about racism and things like that, but as a framework of understanding everything. And basically if you go to an education college today, Everything is through this lens of critical theory because critical theory has um, it's kind of got its tendrils into all different humanities, social science, education. It's it's all in there. Um, but this would say that, like, there are people in the country and in the world who are oppressed and there are people who are oppressors at, at all different levels. And when you view the world through that lens and when you're taught the way that um 
you're taught in education colleges today, it, it teaches the teachers that they know what's best for uh, their kids, that, mm. that they know what's best for the students that they're teaching. Like uh, as an example, in the education college that I went to, I had a professor explicitly telling us um, that to do the right thing and his phrasing of do the right thing. He was being very careful with his words, but his implication was that like the parents or the administrators might not want to, uh, they might not want the kids to be taught certain things, but it's up to you to like do the right thing and teach them the certain things. And the implication there is to hide what you're teaching them to uh, from the parents and, and from the administration. And a lot of his class was reading like Huffington Post articles and what I would describe as very literally reading Huffington Post. I like, I can't make that up. Yeah. I, I wouldn't believe me if I was hearing it, but I was reading Huffington Post articles at one of the most prestigious uh, education colleges in the country. Like I didn't, I went to the university of Connecticut, the, 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 the UConn, um, yeah. <laughs> I went to the university of Connecticut. It's, it's a decent school, but the education college is one of the top 10 education colleges in the country. And I graduated cum laude from that school. So you, you can't hit my credentials. Like I went through it and the, uh, the, the federal, um, not that this matters to me because I put no value in this, but just to show like that the program that I went to is not like it's not abnormal. It's it's at the zenith. It's at the top. It's like they're the trendsetter in this situation. The federal uh, secretary of education is from my university. So my experience is like what the people at the top, at the very tippy top, it's these are the people like my experience. These are the people who are setting the bar for everyone else in education. Right. Okay. Yeah, because like all that, all that CRT stuff, the critical race theory stuff, and that just sounds like social Marxism. Yeah, which certain <laughs> like people will That's deny that is. critical race theory exists, which is nonsense. It absolutely exists. And people will deny that cultural social marxism exists but it absolutely exists because it def i mean that's because that's what it was right because like it used to be the haves and haves nots of of with this with the moolah and money and yeah. then it became like well that didn't work okay well let's go to the, the social part of it and then we'll now to have the have nots of the social it's like shut the fuck up yeah. <laughs> no it's not no you're just perpetuating bullshit is what you're doing it's ridiculous yeah it's, it's, it's ridiculous. fucking total nonsense yeah so and, yeah no, no, go ahead, go ahead. no no you go ahead I'm, I, I'm, I was, no i was gonna say so why now all of a sudden then the obvious push again like again it came out of nowhere i feel like again just to just to fucking be like you know what we're coming for your kids again fuck it now we're just saying it out loud and you guys can't do shit i mean Why? i I, th I think <laughs> it's an acceleration of all the social issues that we've seen over the last 10 20 years okay um you know you, you can you can draw a hard line and you know we 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 just about started to talk about this but the the year that i think I point to a lot as when things really started to change is 2012. And what happened in 2012 mm -hmm. um, is uh, this was like Occupy Wall Street was around 2011, 2012. Occupy Wall Street, you know, we had people sitting in Occupy Wall Street. Obviously, they got infiltrated by FBI, NSA, all these things. Obviously, yep. there were also people in that themselves who were a serious problem as you will when whenever there's something like that happening. well alex jones called that one he said agents of chaos and that was true <laughs> yeah. they were 100 percent just cops in there just being like window boom yeah yeah <laughs> and mean, it's the same thing we yeah. saw with january oh, yeah. 6th mm -hmm. especially with the new stuff that's come out dude all of it the, yeah and it's the same thing we saw with blm riots as well you know there's agent provocateurs instigators 
in there as well. And the same thing with everything. Michigan. It, it, it does yeah. the exact job of what they want to do. Well, let's quell it. Right. And the only way we could quell it is if it gets violent. <laughs> so yeah. let's make this shit violent, boys. And then yeah. just shut this shit down. That's exactly what it is. So you can draw a correlation, not a causation, but you can draw a correlation between uh, 2012, uh, 2011, at the time of uh, when Occupy Wall Street was at its height, with uh, the increase in discussion of uh, critical theory, specifically critical race theory. And um, in uh, and I, I, I have the numbers somewhere, I can show them to you later. But there's some graphs that show the, uh, the percentage and the number absolute of content being posted by mainstream uh, newspapers and news stations like the New York Times, Washington Post, you know, all the main ones and how they started to discuss uh, sexism, racism, all of these isms in about 2012 going up to today. And they just increase and increase and increase. And so oh, no, I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that graph. That, 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 yeah, that's 100% ringing a bell now. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, right. So I mean, obviously, the implication there is that the uh, smart money coming from the uh, the oligarchs, the billionaires, you know, we call them billionaires here. If they're Russian, we call them oligarchs. Right, oligarchs but, yeah. You know, don't use the language of your oppressor. Oppressor. <laughs> Jeff Bezos is an oligarch. Elon Musk is an oligarch. Bill Gates is an oligarch. Um, George Soros is an oligarch. They're oligarchs. Yeah. Um, and they use their funds to fund things like this, because literally you can draw a line from Jeff Bezos to The Washington Post. And that's what they're pushing out. Yeah, a one to one line. <laughs> yeah, literally. It. There you go. <laughs> right. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but they began posting things based on racial discrimination right mm -hmm. when the uh, right when socioeconomic um, socioeconomic issues were were coming to a head. And it, it's it's hard to think that that's not on purpose, um, you right. know, and especially when if you look at the statistics, New York Times publishes them. Um, New York Times uh, economic uh, diversity statistics, a college like Harvard, a person from the poorest 20% of American families today is 60 times less likely to go to Harvard or any of the Ivy Leagues like it as someone from the richest 1% of Americans. So the richest, like... 20 like the richest 20 percent of Mer of americans represent more than 60 percent of harvard's population and wow. the the poorest 20 percent of americans represent uh four percent and it's about the same between three and five for all of them princeton yale and then at the same time ivy plus colleges ivies and schools like mit uh they represent they have represented over 50 percent of the cabinets of every single uh, presidential cabinet for the last 50 years, except for H.W. Bush, who came in at about 47% of his cabinet is from Ivy Plus schools. Jesus Christ. So obviously schools want to post their racial statistics so that you don't know that you're surrounded by the rich. I mean, I went to the University of Connecticut. The University of Connecticut's not much better. It's full of rich kids. It's a, it's a they call it a public ivy. But that just means that they don't let in poor people. Right. Um, That's yeah. wild. That's Absolutely. super fucking interesting. So it, it really is. Yeah. And they always be like, well, it's it's who you know. It's, you know, it's where it's frats. I go, yeah, no shit. But it's like, it's all because it's fucking dirty, corrupt money. It's not yeah. because it's just you got lucky, dude. <laughs> Seriously. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But it's also that like 
when when the standards are standardized, um, like if you're able to afford the better school, you're able to afford like a prep school, they're preparing you for going to colleges like that. Like th that's the point of schools like that. Whereas if you're at public school, especially if you're at a public school in like Pennsylvania, where you are at these really good public schools, or if you're at a public school where I went to school in the suburbs of Connecticut, you're going to get a, a, a pretty decent education based on the standards. But if you're at like, if you're in West Virginia, or if you're in like downtown Hartford or New Haven or New York City, nah, nah, yeah, that's no, that's not what it's for for you. Of course, yeah. Her her school, the one that my wife works at, uh, it's a it's a prep school. It's Catholic, says so private Catholic with the prep school, but they have to get yeah. like a. Hey, Steph, what's that certification your school has to get to be qualified? P P A I S. Yeah, so it's like I I guess it's like uh, Pennsylvania's like version of like uh, I guess a blue ribbon. Yeah. Okay. Type thing. Mm -hmm. So they have to get like accredited from them. But then like, okay, but who the fuck is PAIS? Like, who are they to say like, yeah, we're the guys, you know, it's like, it's all yeah. arbitrary it is, <laughs> when you it really is. think about it. <laughs> it absolutely is. Yeah. But those organizations, I mean, that's why they're created those gatekeepers. They, they're created. And that, that reminds me of just like, even the information that goes into textbooks, you know, it's created by professors and professors are only professors aren't people that like started a podcast and got people to listen to them. Professors are people who went through a social construct in a public, in a, in a university system. They went through an accredited university, a university that's been accredited by another organization that says that they're doing everything on the up and up. And these are all organizations that are like created with the same funding as everything else that we've talked about. So the professor has to be, they have to, get selected for a PhD first. They have to go through a PhD under another professor. They then have to be, they then have to publish the right content in order for someone else to give them a job. So someone else has to give them a job. And if you're posting the wrong thing, if you're discussing the wrong thing, if you're going to, if you're researching the wrong topic, and again, you're only going to have funding to do research at all for topics that there is funding for. So these organizations control the funding. So they control what research is created. They control what type of research you produce is allowed to be, um, is allowed to even be produced and held up as uh, by the university. For example, back to Occupy Wall Street, I think I um, the guy who wrote this book, um, he's unfortunately, he's passed away now, but the dawn of everything, David Graeber, he was one of the professors that was in charge of, uh, that was very connected to the Occupy Wall Street movement. And he was a highly, uh, he, he had written many books, had a lot of, um, he had a lot of citations. He had all the stats that professors want, but he was a, I mean, he was a, a leftist professor. He, he produced, um, not that I am, I'm just saying that that like I read, I read everything. So, so I guess no, I think it's important too, especially because yeah. when you have to be in a setting, well, not in our specific setting, because we're agreeing with each other, but like a setting yeah. where you're in a podcast where you don't agree with somebody, you don't want to sound dumb. No, that's not. essentially why I read dumb shit, right, <laughs> like commie right. stuff. You got to be like, all right, what did this idiot say? Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> so I get like yeah. throw back in their dumb commie face. <laughs> right. <laughs> but he, you know, he was writing things not from like, you know, not like an authoritarian commie tanky. Right, like right. he's not, he's not trying to run the tanks down, down, uh, right, Budapest right. or Romania, whatever he's, he, um, his, his other book that I read first debt, 
um, like actually this book, The Dawn of Everything is very much about uh, freedom. It's very much an anti-authoritarian book. I highly recommend it. Oh, that's good. Um, but uh, Debt, the book that I read of his first, it's an economic history book, which is one of the things that I'm really into. The book Debt is uh, discusses the history of um, of how money came about, how the barter system works, how the barter system really like, especially in libertarian circles, people love to talk about the barter system. But really, the barter system is based on a dollar value. So it's still based on fiat currency, unfortunately. Like the because the barter system is based on a imagined value value of fiat currency. And the only time that the barter system actually comes about that we have examples of is after a fiat currency has collapsed. Or okay, so I always yeah. thought a barter society was just like uh hey man, that rock's cool. I like rocks. You give me four of those rocks and I'll give you this fish. And it's like, all right. <laughs> yeah, right. So, but the thing with that is that the value of those rocks to that fish is fixed based on a fiat money system. So like the 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 exchange rate of four rocks to to one fish is based on like the value of those rocks to that fish. So like, you know, one cow to 10. Yeah, I get it. It's and, yeah, I, I kind of yeah. get what you're saying, yeah. And it's true that like we don't have any examples in history of a barter system turning into money. Like a barter system, we only have examples of barter systems, not that they might not have existed at some point. But we only have examples of barter systems coming out. Um, uh, we only have barter systems coming out of a failed, uh, of a fiat system that's that's come down. It, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be fiat. It could be like a um, a, a gold or silver based system that goes away as well. But it's okay. a fixed value is the point. I got, no, I, 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 um, I got it. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, JC has yeah. a question for you. Uh, does yeah. Samuel have any favorite education writers like John Taylor Gatto or John Holt? I mean, John Taylor Gatto, of course, at the top. Um, but I, no, I don't have any other reg recommendations besides that. So yeah, who, I wish who, I did. Who, who's that? Because I'm, I'm not familiar with who that is. Um, John Taylor Gatto. That's so funny. More books. John Taylor Gatto is uh, a guy who writes books like this. He was okay. uh, he's passed away now. Um, he was a teacher of the year. Um, and then he wrote books that were very critical of the education system and of the what he calls the the mandatory schooling system. Mm -hmm. um, like the blurb of this book is, uh, and this is from, I think, 1991, I want to say, 1992. Um, After over 100 years of mandatory schooling in the U.S., literacy rates have dropped, families mm -hmm. are fragmented, learning disabilities are skyrocketing, learning disabilities are skyrocketing. And children and youth are increasingly disaffected. 30 years of teaching in the public school system led John Taylor Gatto to the sad conclusion that compulsory government schooling is to blame. Um, yeah, he became a fierce advocate of families and young people taking back education and learning, arguing that geni genius is as common as dirt. Um, so, yeah, there's more there. But his yeah. philosophy is that the mandatory schooling system crushes students who would have otherwise, you know, blossomed. Right. And, uh, right. I remember, I remember seeing that stat where it was like it dropped like it dropped like 70% of the literacy rating since they started forcing people to go through something crazy. I was like, dude, that's insane. That's an insane number <laughs> to yeah. go down or whatever. Oh, yeah. actually, uh, that's a, qu a question I have for you. Any insight on why they made it mandatory? Again, real reason and then their reason. <laughs> like, is there, do you know of, of that or just like uh, bullshit again, lobbying between Carnegie and government to be like, get these motherfuckers to school because well, that we want was all of them going? Yeah, that was when they made it mandatory. Right. Um, you know, at this point, it's like it's 
a lot of these places, like in New England, New England's always had school, like 1630s. There's there's right. freaking Pequot Native Americans like scalping people outside and they're running a day school. I swear to God, like, <laughs> right, right, right. like they were there for a few years and they had set up mandatory schools um, for all children. Like they're teaching. Uh, there's not very many black people in Connecticut at this point, but they are teaching black or children. Still, probably <laughs> no, not as many. No, I think we have more Hispanics than we do black people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but the ones that were even in the 17th century and in the 18th century, because actually the 18th century is more racist than the 17th century, but regardless, different conversation, they, they're, they're teaching everybody, all these kids, they're not treating them equally entirely, but everyone's being educated. And okay. the reason being is to, to read the Bible, um, as it was a Puritan society. But if you look at, um, if you look at the South, uh, during this time in the 1890s, 2000s, what you have is people living fucking free. They're living free. They're they're working on farms. And the express reason, like uh, the quote from uh, Frederick Gates, literally says a, um, a happy and responsive rural folk. He's talking about bringing this to the rural folk. The point of this, the point of mandatory schooling was to get all of these people into one place so that they could be taught how to be factory workers so they could create better factory workers because the people who were growing up not going to school past sixth grade hanging out fishing like doing whatever probably very violent at the time whatever but like you know they're they're free they're living closer to a state of nature they're living closer to uh to being free and those people were not good factory workers that's that's the explicit right. purpose of this they needed people to be taught from a young age that they needed to obey their betters in the American aristocrats, Carnegie and Rockefeller. They right. needed to know from a younger age because it cost them so much to, uh, to teach them how to do that. Cause I'd also, again, this is under zero research. I'm just going off of intuition here that if you're forcing a bunch of people who, again, probably shouldn't be together in a, in a, in a, under a building. Cause like when you, it's like, again, forced, like, uh, integration. I don't mean racially. I just mean like mm -hmm. culture. Anything. Any forced yeah. integration of any kind is never. It never works out for yeah. all the obvious reasons. Right. Obviously, right. So it's like you have a, even yeah. if a bunch of white kids together. If you're coming from different cultures in America, even it, you're gonna have yeah. fucking problems, dude. Right. It's so obvious. So it's it's like you're forcing all these kids, which is gonna bring what violence because you're gonna get yeah. into fights, you're gonna get the fucking scraps, and then, then that's gonna escalate into you know knife. Uh, weapon gun or whatever the fuck it is as opposed to just being like no nah, man that kid just wants to fucking run around the river man let him run around the fucking river and, and like yeah. uh you work with steel or whatever he wants to do who cares yeah. it's, it doesn't it does it shouldn't matter it's like as long as that kid's you know being treated properly by his parents or like he's not being neglected why are we forcing children to go to school like it doesn't it it shouldn't matter and again this is why i hate all the fucking sadists and they're like well it's it's someone's job to give that kid a good education well, who's saying that he wouldn't get a good education outside of your fucking mandatory school government schooling and i don't even mean yeah. like necessarily like abc abcs and one two threes either i mean mm -hmm. like how many kids could fucking know how to do their tax which again obviously anti-taxes over here but like it's you have yeah. to do it how many kids right. know how to do their fucking taxes zero because they don't teach you how many kids know how to fucking uh, manage a bank account zero right. how many kids they don't start a fire build a tent uh, survive in any condition self-defense yeah. gun cleaning or how to properly maintain a gun right that fuck yeah. that none of it yeah. and they used to have gun cleaning courses all the fucking time i see pictures of it in the 60s right. and shit where you have like eight-year-olds like racking rifles and cleaning it's like oh, yeah, and there was no school shootings no 
So what the fuck, right? So what are we talking about? It's so obvious when you start to look at the, you know, again, like every 10 years, like you see more and more of a breakdown. Like, you know, like the 50s and 60s is worse. 60s, 70s is worse. And it is so on and so on and so on. It's now look we have today. Now we have teachers who are are, are giving books to children where it's like, uh, it's like, this is a dick. And this is what you do to like suck a dick. And it's like, don't tell your parents. And you're like, what are we doing? (laughs) Where the fuck have we gone? Like how far have we fallen? I, I very far. It's almost yeah. embarrassing. It's like, you know, it's like, it, you know, if we get beat, ugh, we deserve it, you know, collectively at the very least, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it sucks. It's, it, it's crazy, man. It's absolutely crazy. So to, to, to wrap up, um, where do you think that we could turn this around? Where do you see this going? I mean, what, what are your thoughts just on the future of all? So the, while the education system of the early 20th centuries was created uh, with the Rockefellers and Carnegie's in mind, like they created it to serve their purposes. At the same time, um, if you adopt the values of those times, which is where the authoritarian really comes from in that they're telling you, you know, with the with what you were talking about before with the education, um, like who's going to educate these kids? The, the, the backing of saying who's going to educate these kids is somebody authoritatively deciding what values someone else should have and what values are right in a society. That's that's the that that's the idea behind mandatory school is that we know what's best for the kids. It's this mandatory schooling. We're deciding that everyone needs to have this basic level and it's a very collectivist idea. Right. So, but at the same time, this system that's created, we have the best education system in the world by the values of of those people in the 60s and 70s. We don't have that anymore. You know, we have lower test scores, um, which is the system that they created. That's their judgment is these test scores. We have lower test scores than countries that are much poorer than us, like Slovakia, Slovenia, uh, the Czech Republic, Latvia, Lithuania, um, uh, Malaysia. Like, it's crazy that we that we have lower test scores. But Right now, what we're seeing just the past year, you follow people like um, Corey DeAngelis. That's somebody yeah, that he's I great. can. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't have any recommendations for for authors, although Corey might have. But Corey DeAngelis and Kenny Shu, um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Kenny Shu, uh, XU, they're they're two people that I think are doing great work uh, promoting school choice, things like that. But but that system that was created in the early 20th centuries that was designed for the world of its time. Our system today is still essentially the same. It's it's had minor changes, but what's required now is a, another paradigm shift, another massive shift. This first shift in education happens in the 1830s and a little bit afterwards. They're switching to this Prussian model from all these different various uh, cultural models of the U.S. that are informed by the backing in New England. It's the Puritan culture. They're they're doing other German shit in the Midwest with all the Germans, you know. Um, that happens in the 1830s. We have this new change in the early 20th century. That's still essentially the system we have today. It no longer is serving us clearly because it's based on a factory system and we don't even have factories anymore. So even though it was kind of evil that they were making people into docile dogs to, to serve their capitalist machine, that doesn't happen anymore. So today in 2023, um, it requires a paradigm shift to look at education in a completely new way, um, especially when we have the level of mental illness in younger kids. And I'm saying mental illness because 
when you have 60, 70% of a population having mental illness by the standards of right. your, your culture, that's not the fault of 70% of the population. That's the fault either of what standard you're holding a mental illness to, or in this case, um, something is so sick about the society that 70% of people um, as a whole, the culture is sick to the point where it's not working. So, yeah, no, I, I'm yeah. a believer of it being the first thing where everything's just right. overanalyzed and overdiagnosed. Now we're like, again, and I don't give a shit when anybody says do that shit. It's real, man. Because when we were kids, like it was not like that. Like the, the spazzy kid, like now he would be on a thousand things of medicine. Like that kid turned out fine, man. Like yeah. that kid's a lawyer now. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's like it's like you. It's chill, yeah. man. Like the Evo. very there are yeah. Of course, mental illness is real schizophrenia all that shit like of course man no one's saying that yeah. but everyone doesn't have something that's fucking insane man it yeah. just this, this can't be but i think right. that comes with like weakening the culture and like on purpose and like weakening yeah. especially like young men and stuff to be like you're all weak don't fucking stand up for yourself like yeah you're sad you're like i'm not sad <laughs> you're like no you're sad you're like i don't feel sad yeah like, you want to like i feel, I, I believe that to be a real thing like the whole weak men cause hard times thing like you know it's, oh yeah no it's i real. believe that whole hard like, yeah percent. yeah and that's uh that's looks like where we're headed um <laughs> but yeah i mean today you're seeing school choice i think school choice is a good start i don't know if it's the end because what tends to happen with these things is like something like school choice the critics of school choice say that like, oh, these education, like people are just going to profit off of it. Like, yeah, that's probably true. But people are profiting off of it right now. Um, and I, I think that school choice is a better system because at the very least, then um, not just the super rich have the option to pay their taxes and then also fund some other type of education. Uh, school choice allows, you know, conservative Jews to fund you know, a conservative Jewish school. It allows Catholics to fund Catholic school. It allows, you know, uh, liberal people. Um, like if somebody wants to start a Unitarian school, start like, a gulag, you know, that's all. Right. <laughs> if you, if, look, you want to start a commune school, you go ahead. Just don't make me be a part of it. Exactly. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Go do your thing. Like whatever. I don't want to do it. You can have your Chaz, your chop, like yeah. have a homeless guy like yeah. be throwing dirt on the ground. If you guys want to starve to death in three weeks' time, man, that's your prerogative. <laughs> that is on you. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, no, that's uh, dude, man, you open. It's super interesting. I bet you a lot of people did not know a lot of this. I didn't know a lot of this. Like I said, I was, I, I just I knew how it all started, like the Prussian stuff, how how we first got it, and I didn't know all the back end of this of how where we are now, dude. That's crazy yeah. it's also sad and how everything is just corrupted and just run by evil pedophiles who want to kill you and your kids that's a conspiracy theory <laughs> yeah. epstein did kill himself adam totally Absolutely. i know i know <laughs> talking about these conspiracy theories here is that on cnn i'm not sure about this <laughs> I, I it's i'm just sick of everything i was said three years ago and was right about now and i was like yeah no i know because I have uh, common sense. Where's my apology, man? Where's the apology from all these jackasses that were like, so you're a conspiracy theorist. It's like, no, dude. Like, I read Fauci's emails. What are you talking about? He <laughs> yeah. says it. What do hey, you mean? The guy who tortured puppies for medical purposes? I'm going to not listen to that guy about anything. Dude. When, so, when, <laughs> pass. <laughs> when Barack Obama sees what you're doing and is like, ah, oh, that's too crazy. When Barack yeah. Obama... The deporter in chief, Mr. Drone the, Strike, Mr. Drone Strike, <laughs> the guy, the the guy who got a Nobel Peace Prize and then bombed Doctors Without Borders, another Nobel Peace Prize winner. When he looks at your research, he's like, "Oh well, I don't think we're going to do that anymore." Like, 
Yeah. Yeah, you're done, dude. Like, you're out of your freaking mind. Yeah, like, um, I, I had on uh, CJ Kilmer a few episode, uh, episodes ago, about two, a few months ago, and he's great. Uh, and we went over Woodrow Wilson being the worst president ever. Uh, the and worst. he is. So anybody who didn't watch Everybody episode, hates him. Yeah, everybody hates him. Everybody didn't watch the episode, go watch it. CJ Kilmer, he's fucking great. Uh, yes, we just did like an hour and a half just on, on Woodrow Wilson. And when Woodrow Wilson was the governor of New Jersey, uh, he was like, you know what we should do? We should cover everybody with a mental handicap. We should just start a eugenics program for that. And then guess who he hired to now he didn't go through, obviously. But he hired it got to the point where he hired somebody to start running the program. And the guy he hired to start running the program was then I think Hitler's main eugenicist over and not like he left and oh went to go do that. He's like, God. You guys suck. I'm going over there. And he left the way he went over there and be, and went that. So that was the guy he hired for Jersey. Wow. <laughs> I forgot the guy's and- name. But, Dude, when I when I hear that today, that's the one I stick with. Eugenics was a progressive idea. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so everyone, Wilson, yeah. Mad Democrat, by the way. Big liberal. Yeah. And he was <laughs> he was a progressive at the time. This was the progressive era. So not only was he a Democrat, because people yeah. will be like, oh, the party switch. They didn't, by the way. But they'll say, oh, my God, the party switch. Um, but no, he was a progressive. And like when I the same thing today, like. If you believe your progressive ideas or whatever ideas you have are like eternal right now, that's not a political belief. That's a religion. That is a religious devotion to those ideas. And you're you're wrong. You're going to be wrong in 10 years when we decide that you're allowed to be trans species. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, um, the th- again, the thing with Woodrow Wilson is every, all the liberals will be like, well, you know, he, he did this, this, this. And I go, uh, you know, he's also violently racist. So racist to the point where they couldn't hide it anymore and princeton had an unnamed building after him <laughs> dude like not only was he a racist he was like in the 1920s which is like the like yeah, the yeah, most like racist, racist time in american hi- history <laughs> like he was racist for the most racist time ever besides like the 1830s like it like the 1920s birth of a nation like this is insane yeah, yeah no insane. It, it's 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 nuts uh it, the absolute worst but it is crazy when you start to see that throughout history, especially on our history. You're like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> you sit there, yeah. things start to make fucking sense. So all the schooling stuff, like once you said it all, like it makes all it makes sense. Like I didn't know it, but it, it makes sense when you start to talk about it. It's very obvious. Like, oh yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah I see yeah. why the money would go there and why they yeah. would want that. Yeah, okay, that makes so sense. Obvious. It's it's that so obvious in, in the open. Yeah. So uh, no hope for the future. All right, good. Uh- <laughs> We're boned. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I could I could go into hours about what I think is going to happen and, and the, the breakdown of societies and the chance that they have to go into a reform period. And if that reform period doesn't work, then it's like, you know, then it's like fall of Constantinople time and like, you know, or fall of Rome time. It's that type of thing. But yeah, I, you know, we'll talk about it another time. Damn, dude. Well, dude, this is great. This is great. I, I love this shit. Um, please tell everybody where they can find you, your social, your, your podcast, all that stuff. Yeah, so um, illegitimate scholar on YouTube and on basically all podcasting platforms. Let me drop my—I I think I, I dropped it in there randomly earlier, but I'll drop my pod yeah, I'm link. I'm gonna have all this in chat. the um, in the description and stuff afterwards. Uh, I'm gonna have all your Great. all your shit for sure. Thank you. But yeah, um, illegitimate scholar on uh, all podcasting platforms. Illegitimate scholar on YouTube. Um, it's uh, the podcast is mostly audio, but you can watch it on YouTube if you want. I put out like shorts and shit. I'm trying to see what works. And uh, and then ill underscore scholar on Twitter, and that's all I'm active on. But yeah, you can reach me. If, the best place to reach me is on Twitter. Um, yeah, or through my email, which is linked to my podcast. 
Boom. Yeah, dude, you're you're fucking great. Uh go listen to this man's podcast. Uh don't get all I'll, I'll say goodbye to you behind the scenes off air. So yeah. don't, don't click off. But um all right, everybody, again, come see me on the road, doing a lot of stand up. And I'm definitely hitting the road, I think, in the summer. So just let's let's go for coming out. Follow me at Adam Nutter. Go listen to Cult of Us. Uh follow me on YouTube if you if you haven't. Uh if you're a fan of Sam and you just came over here, uh hit up that follow button. Uh hit the like button, you fucks who are watching right now. Hit the guy sub hit that like, you fucking pieces of shit how about the algorithm yes <laughs> hit the like thank you share this uh all right this dude this is again super great uh right, everybody so too. peace out i'll be back next week thanks for listening find adam on social media twitter and ig at adam nutter or facebook and tiktok at adam nutter comedy and for podcasts and merch check out www.droptent.com Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. How you doing? This is Neil Wood from the Cult of Us podcast. Speaking on behalf of Drop 10 Media Network the network you're currently listening to make sure to check out all the other podcasts on the network you can go to drop10.com to check them all out make sure to like subscribe on everything that you see drop 10 on we appreciate it go to drop10.com now